going on guys welcome on into second and short the newest hottest freshest dopest nfl podcast out there that's there's a lot they bring in a lot of energy here early in the morning i was just looking for a lot of s uh to put onto there but uh, i am telling louder he is aaron ben and this is your monday movers episode it really is we're talking about who's moving up who's moving down who's hot who's not who's kicking ass who's getting theirs kicked in there let's get to it it'd be really nice after i said that if i had like a little like graphic and like music that was like do 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 monday movers but i <laughs> i don't so uh i'll have to like i'll have to just start making some of those on my own yeah you can get on that uh so yeah today we are going to talk about week three in the nfl uh we're going to talk about everything that happened from kind of Thursday, not really. We're not going to touch on it, but pretty much it happened on Sunday. But we're going to give you guys three, three, three people in this category and three people in the next category. And the first category is those that are moving up in our, you know, our, our rankings, our our world positives, whatever you want to call them. Uh, and and this week we actually are going to talk about some players and as well as a team. And for the negative, we're going to be talking about a team and some coaches. So go ahead right now, if you want, down below in those comments, give your predictions, or just tell us who you guys think moves up in your opinion and down. And don't forget to leave a like on this video, click subscribe to stay up to date on everything we got going on, and let's dive on in. So Aaron, for our first Monday mover going up, who do you got? Uh, I got Steven Guskowski. That's uh, my guy for my team, the Titans. I mean, this is a guy who I thought after... After week one, I wanted to cut him. Even though he kicked the game winner week one, missed three field goals leading up to that kick, missed an extra point as well. And even game two, even though he kicked, uh, he kicked another two long field goals game two against the Jacksonville Jaguars, 49 and then 51 yards. He also missed an extra point in that game. And so I was still kind of doubtful about him, but this week, this week he just went out. He made six field goals. That's a career high, including three field goals from over 50 yards with the game winner being a 55 yarder with less than two minutes left that gave them the lead and gave them the win. So even though he had some troubles for his game, first three games have all been decided by Steven Guskowski field goals. So he's really trending up for me and he's looking like he's gotten back into his, his Hall of Fame form. Yeah, and while he has been you know, so-so on the year. Uh, right now he's sitting at 9 of 12, uh, with him also being 5 of 7 on extra points. But the positive thing here is that you have to look at is that he is literally the deciding factor on them winning games. Granted, they would be winning games by more had he made these other field goals, but you know what? You got to take what you get. Uh, he's 36 years old. And I know kickers kind of kick forever, but they do show, you know, a tendency to go down. And here's the best thing about this. Not only did he go three for three from 50 plus yards this year, he's four for four on the season. And I mean, really, if you take out that first week, he has been fantastic since in the past two weeks. I personally, at least kind of expected maybe a bit of a drop off after he struggled with the the Patriots, and then was released, had hip surgery and everything. But he's really shown, like, 
his resiliency and it's like uh working on his form one thing he also mentioned it uh, was that all off season he had been kicking he'd been practicing without wearing a sock on his kicking foot and then i guess he was wearing a sock in that first opening game and that's why he missed the kicks i don't know that's what he says i'm gonna believe him I mean, we could also take it into saying that it maybe could have been elevation because playing in Denver as, I mean, if, if you've never been there and, and you and I can contest this because like we played soccer, um, little behind the scenes info for you guys. If I, if, I already, if I haven't already said this, that we used to play soccer together. But I mean, when we used to go to those Denver tournaments, the teams that live there have such an advantage because they're used to that elevation. And if you're not used to that elevation, it can affect you. And I can only assume the older I get, if I if I tried competing there, it would affect me even more than it did when I was younger. So, I mean, I'm just going to say that I'm going to chalk up week one as kind of just like, eh, like a mishap, no big deal. Like open, opening week jitters, I guess. And I'm going to say these last two weeks are more of what you're going to be able to expect from him going forward. And you as a Titans fan should be thrilled about that. Yeah, I mean, it looks like our kicking woes hopefully are behind us now. Oh, and you should... You should know, just by the way, the Titans have already made more field goals this season with nine than they did all of last year when they went eight for 18. Well, right there, eight for 18. That's, oh man, that's terrible. We can see why they have a new kicker, but let's go ahead and move on. And let's shift from a player that had a career day that, again, was a deciding factor in his team winning. And let's just move on to a whole team that decided not to just back down and not be okay with losing at halftime and you know they went into their locker room and we're like oh wait a second this team loves to blow leads we're okay <laughs> who are we talking about you know we're talking about the chicago bears they've somehow pulled another win out of their ass and i mean it's taken them a while to get going in this game but they erased the 16 point lead in the last like six and a half minutes of the game and, I mean, sure, they had to switch quarterbacks to do it, but as long as you win, like, a win's a win, so. They completely decimated the Atlanta Falcons in the fourth quarter. Um, for those that don't know, it was 26-10 to 10 going into the fourth quarter. Bears scored 20 unanswered points in the fourth quarter to win the game 30-26. to 26. And as you're saying, yeah, they had to switch quarterbacks. That's what's even more impressive about this. They switched quarterbacks, took a guy that had not played all year, and he still threw the ball 29 times. And he actually even threw an interception as well. But here's the best part about it. He didn't take any sacks. You know, he was, he was I can't say more accurate. He was just as accurate. I mean, Mitch Trubisky only had nine incompletions, and then Nick Foles had 13. But his average yards per attempt were almost a full yard more. He was able to deliver in the red zone. And I just think I just think he was able just to I don't know, there's just there's some funk about Nick Foles, and I don't know what it is, but people just like get behind it. Yeah, I was gonna say, like some people just have like that they, people always talk about the intangibles, like the it factor. Uh, and it seems to be Nick Foles. Like he's got this aura around him that just kind of rallies the troops and they they want to play for him and he gets things done i mean he threw three touchdowns in the second half of the fourth quarter and got it done when mitch mitch trubisky couldn't and we also have to see is that um you know Allen robinson stepped up today he is one of those guys that is like 
he's everybody knows he's like one of the best receivers in the league, like easily like top fifteen and top twenty. But I think like when people like people don't actually like say it out loud. It's just like, oh yeah, he's consistently playing really well, especially when you look at his career of quarterbacks. Like he did well with Blake Bortles, he did well with Mitch Trubisky. Like here he is again, but now he has he might have foals. And he kind of started off the season flat. You know, he had like 107 yards for eight catches in two games, no touchdowns. And then out of nowhere, he completely destroys what he did in two weeks with 10 catches on 13 targets, 123 yards, and a receiving touchdown. I mean, he was unstoppable in this game. The the Bears defense has also looked pretty solid the first few weeks. It just seems like a team that... That like what do they say? Good teams find ways to win like bad games, and that's kind of what they're doing so far. Um, would I call the Bears a good team at this point? I think so because you don't get to three and zero by accident. So I think uh, I think this team is definitely on the rise. A hundred percent. And another thing you have to take into factor is uh, Cordell Patterson is returning kicks for them. And this is a guy that has kind of like been forgotten ever since he left Minnesota. But here's what I want to say. He had three kick returns today for 91 yards. That's an average of 30.3 yards. The fact that he is able to get more than a touchback on all of his returns is, is huge. Like that average is exactly what you want. And if you can, like we say, if you can win the game on offense, defense, and special teams, there's no way you can lose the game. They're just, it's not possible in my eyes. So we got to chalk this up as a great day for the Bears. I mean, let's give a little prediction, man. Do you think Foles is going to start here going on out until he until he makes a mistake? Um, I think they're going to start him next week, yeah. I think um, he showed enough that, and I think Trubisky has showed enough of, how, of his inconsistency to make them feel comfortable in going with Nick Foles, at least for the, for the next game or two. And they, they will be going up against the Colts. Uh, I think this has been, like, the easiest stretch of their season as, I mean, they got games against the Colts, Bucks, Rams, and Saints, and Titans. Those five games in their next six are all up, and that's going to be difficult for them. Another thing they have to get over is uh, right now it's not confirmed. It might be confirmed by the time you guys are listening to this, but Tarek Cohen, the running back, might have an ACL injury that he, you know, he went down, and he might have torn his ACL on a punt return. Uh, hopefully it's not that bad and we just get a sprain. Uh, but that is some news that we have to monitor going forward. Now let's switch to some more positive And we are going to actually talk about a player that is balling out now, even though his team lost last night. And that's Alvin Kamara. Why don't you start us off talking about Alvin Kamara and why he is moving up? Well, Alvin Kamara, he kind of had, was getting a lot of, uh, getting a, shit on a lot last year into the offseason because he was injured, he wasn't playing as well. Um, and then he came out and said he wanted the extension and everything, and people are kind of down on him. But so far this season, he's, he's actually looked really good. And then last night, he, last night, he just went off. I mean, he went for, led the team in rushing, which isn't surprising. And actually tied with Latavius Murray for 58 yards. He had 9.7 yards per carry. He had a really long 49-yard uh, run. Uh, and then 
the the stat that really pops out here is 13 receptions for 139 yards, two touchdowns, had a long scamper for 52 yards included in there. I mean, he just went off. Um, and he's he's been doing pretty decent this whole season. What's he doing this? What is it, what is what have his stats been like the rest of the season? Type? I mean, when you pull his first three weeks together, he has 153 rushing yards with 287 receiving yards, good for 440. Here's the kicker. He's only had 58 touches. That's That right there is insane. He's, he's averaging over 7.5 yards per touch. That is game changer because the, do you know what that does, Aaron? When he gets, it, it puts his team in second and short, which is something that we love. It's great. I mean, this stuff just writes itself, man. He has been electric the first three weeks. He's been a difference maker, as he is expected to be. So why is he an up? As you said, everybody was down on him before. And it's not just, like, down on him in the fact that, like, I don't know, his health or his contract. I mean, if you look at, like, fantasy football, he's in, like, the middle of the first round, but people are, like, pushing aside, drafting him, and they're they're willing to go other places because he didn't do so well last year. And this just shows that everything is different. When a player is healthy... You've got to trust their skill versus using an injured, like an injury hampered season against them. And he's, he's been showing up, even though the Saints are one and two, I, I don't think it's on his shoulders. I mean, if you saw his, he had like a 56 yard touchdown, uh, receiving touchdown. And I mean, he broke like two tackles. Uh, I forget that there was a cornerback for the Packers tried like tackling him, like threw his whole body into him and Kamara just kind of like bounced to the side. And then cut back in and scored. Yeah, Kamara, you got to wrap up. You can't just throw yourself at him. Since 2017, he has the second most missed tackles by a running back. It's it, it's just insane. That's it's overall with receiving, uh, and and his rushes, he's electric and he's a difference maker. And I don't take these two losses towards him. And I think he will continue to do well. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Saints go on like a three game winning streak here and are four and two after week six all right tyler what are we talking about who's who's kind of down in the dumps now Ooh, well like we said we're gonna be talking about two coaches and we're talking about a team uh and to make this not sound redundant let's just kind of flip flop back and forth uh let's start with the head coach and let's start in your division and we're going to talk about uh you know somebody that has been on our podcast at least they have been synonymous with the word like shit talking and bashing and that's bill o'brien and i'm sorry you know for him pulling a bob it's just he just gives us so much material you do you, do you know what bob is bill o'brien is he's that friend in your group that just like sets up softballs for you to just like bash him all day long <laughs> and he just makes it easy and he's like why are you guys picking on me and it's like because of you you set it up so easy because he exists like talk more on why he's moving down. And this is what's crazy real quick before you do this. He is already very low for us in opinions. Like I I'm telling you right now, he's on the hot seat, but he's even lower this week. First of all, they, they lost to the tech, to the Steelers 28 to 21. Uh, they were up 21. What was it? They were up like 21, 21, 17 at half, 21, 17 at half and got, and, and just got blanked in the second yeah, half. They, Slay the goose egg the entire second half. Let the Steelers come back. Um, Deshaun Watson, he's been playing okay this season. Uh, he's not been like the 
superstar that he's had been in years past, but he still had some great plays, great scrambles that we'd all know him to do. Um, he's, but he's not the reason for them being bad. It's entirely on Bill O'Brien. Their run game has been bad. Run defense has been just atrocious. They gave up 169 yards rushing to the Steelers. They rushed for 29 yards last night. Uh, so, I mean, and this all comes down to, in my opinion, it comes down to the moves that Bill O'Brien made in the offseason. <clears throat> they brought in, traded away probably one of the best wide receivers in the league for David Johnson. David Johnson has come in, looked pretty good week one, but other than that, has not done a whole lot. Rushed for 23 yards on 13 carries last night. Uh, Who did they bring in to replace? DeAndre Hopkins, that was Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks has, what, seven receptions on the year? Had three receptions last night. It's just, it has not looked good for the Texans. The one stat that jumps out to me, like, above all of that is turnovers. Texans have not forced a single turnover the entire season so far. Yeah, and not being able to get turnovers is such a huge hindrance on being able to win games and it's not just like winning games but it's like pulling away from teams it's demoralizing them it's just it's embarrassing them it's putting them in the dirt it's exhausting you know like when you go out there you're like all right we just had a three and out all our offense has to do is go get a touchdown and like we can get back in this game interception it just can drain a team it drains a defense for having to go right back out there without having a long break from a, a, a decent drive from their offense not just that, though. I mean, over the past three games, here's what's happened. Four sacks, four sacks, five sacks. Like, your quarterback can't get sacked 13 times, especially when you gave up a first-round pick and more for Larry T- Laramie Tunsil to be your starting left tackle. Like, you're giving up draft prospects, draft capital, for an offensive line that's not delivering for you. You can't- Don't forget, yeah, and don't forget they don't have a first or second round pick this in this coming draft. So even if they do want to fix those, those problems, especially the O-line, they don't really have the resources to do it. Trades were bad. We've already been saying that. We're seeing proof right now of them not doing and not delivering. David Johnson's averaging less than four yards per carry. Uh, you know, so it's just, it is what it is, I guess. And... I want to give a prediction now. This is what I'm going to start doing. Every time we go down or up, I'm going to give one prediction within these uh, per, t- per category. How long until you know, Bill O'Brien is fired? Definitely at least until the end of the season. If they keep losing, uh, probably by the middle of the season, I would imagine, if they don't start to pick things up. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you on that one. Let's right now... Switch gears and let's talk about an entire team as well away from Bill O'Brien because really we're dogging on the moves that he made. We're not actually dogging on the Texans. The players are only performing as well as they're expected to perform. Deshaun Watson's been playing pretty well. I mean, his his rating tonight was 110.7. It's better than Big Ben. Let's talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. And this team, they they don't want to win. They really just don't want to win. Oh, it's... Yeah, and I mean... You could almost excuse being 0-3 because they've had some really bad offensive line problems, injuries. Even, like, Jason Peters went down towards the end of the game last night. Uh, They've had some 
decent rushing, and they went for 175 yards last week or last night. Carson Wentz having kind kind of a down year. He's not been playing very well, but. The big thing here, and the reason why we chose them for this segment, <clears throat> they had fourth down with 19 seconds left in over. What was, it was supposed to be like a 60-plus yarder field goal, um, and they just decided to punt it away, and they, they, they basically said, we're cool with tying. Tying's cool by me. We're not even going to try to win. And that, that's why we have them just moving, just rocketing down the ranks in my opinion yeah and if we're just gonna stick to this this overtime um about there was about a minute and 41 seconds left when they received the ball uh in overtime and they got the ball at their own 45 that's amazing because i mean everybody's had possession all you gotta do is get a field goal all you gotta do is get a field goal and you just gotta get 20 yards and the play calling just didn't make sense for me uh, we have we have them eventually get a first down. They're on Cincinnati's side of the field. You know they're on the forty-four with a minute thirty left. They still have it. They 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 still have uh, an opportunity to move. They just need about ten yards. And here's what they do: shotgun formation, run up the middle. Shotgun formation. Carson Wentz scrambles for two yards up the middle. Shotgun formation, incomplete pass. And in that time, they took off a full minute in. 10 seconds off the clock. There was no sense of urgency. There was, there's nothing. And here's the biggest factor. They took all that time off. They're about in field goal range. I mean, they're sitting at like the 41 yard line, which is in theory, 58 yard field goal. It's, it's not something that's unmakeable. I mean, Jake Elliott has made kicks from 58. I think he made a 63 yarder a couple of years ago. Exactly exactly so why did they not take that field goal like oh he might miss it it might get blocked they might go here's my thing if you're not willing to lay it on the line to try and win it's the same thing as losing in my eyes and so they literally with 19 seconds left just took two penalties punted it away and game over they were okay with the tie and that right there is not excusable for me the Bengals it's obvious that they were they're kind of like the, the inferior team in terms of talent uh, I think a lot. I think most people expected the the Eagles to kind of get back on track this game and get an easy win. And and I don't know, Doug Peterson. He's usually been kind of a balls to the wall guy. I mean, but where where are the days when he when he called the Philly Philly against the Patriots in the Super Bowl? Uh, we went from that to punting in overtime to tie the game. It's just just bad in my opinion. We will say this. There's, well, there's a slight positive, and that's the fact that they did. They were able to get pressure on this offensive line, which we agree is terrible. But my thing is, if you're not able to get pressure on the offensive line, that's an issue. They did get eight sacks a day. Play calling, terrible. Delivery, terrible. Wentz averaged 4.8 yards per attempt. That cannot happen as a quarterback. That's way too low. He got out-dueled today by the rookie. Eagles moving down for us, and I would like to get a prediction on saying, will this turn around or whatnot? I'm not going to speculate on that. Their only saving grace is the fact that their division is not very competitive, and the fact that the Cowboys have been playing close games and not getting the results they want so far. But let's move on. Let's talk about another coach, and let's talk about a coach that 
it's not just like me or you, and this isn't even a prediction or like bold. The entire world that watches football says this guy should be fired. And that's Adam Gase for the New York Jets. Yeah, I mean, when you're touted as like this offensive guru, quarterback whisperer who was supposedly responsible for Peyton Manning's record-breaking season back with the Broncos, and then you come in, I mean, Miami, I don't know, people kind of gave him a pass, I guess, even though a lot of, a lot of fans were sick of him by the end of his time there. Yeah. I'm surprised that he even got the job with the Jets, to be honest. And I'm surprised that he kept the job after last year. And I'm surprised that he wasn't fired immediately following the game. Because, yeah, I mean, tell me, like, what is, tell me about the last, I don't know, season or a couple seasons under Adam Gase. What's that been like, stat-wise? I saw a tweet on Twitter. That sounds weird. Tweet on Twitter from Joe Caparos. Well, I mean, where else, where else would you see a tweet? Well, I'm just saying, it's like I could have just said I saw a tweet. I'd have to say it on Twitter, but just walking down the street, right? Uh, but yeah, it was it was from a sports analyst, Joe Caparoso. and these are the statistics that he showed up. Uh, Adam Gase is now five for twenty-one in his last twenty-six road games. Uh, he's seven and twelve as the Jets head coach. His team has scored under twenty points in thirteen of the nineteen games since he's been the Jets head coach. Have lost by double digits in eleven of those nineteen contests, and that's crazy because like we're sitting here saying that he's won seven games. So if you take that out, that means of their twelve losses, eleven of them have been by double digits. This team does not play well, and you know this is what's crazy. Like if we go back in time, everybody was saying Sam Darnold, a great quarterback in this draft class, and Josh Rosen, great quarterback in this draft class, and Josh Allen is outplaying all of them so far, even outplaying Baker Mayfield. You know, so is this is this Adam Gase or is this Sam Darnold? Well, I think it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, but in the end, I think there's a possibility that Gase is remembered as the guy who ruined Sam Darnold. Uh, if you remember Darnold, his rookie year wasn't great. He showed flashes, showed kind of some promise. And last year, uh, I guess it was an improvement, um, but I mean, that's not the play you want to see from a quarterback went in the first round, who's playing under a coach touted as this offensive genius, as this quarterback genius. Um, last year, threw for, he threw for 3,000 yards, 19, 19 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. And then this year, <clears throat> he's got three touchdowns, four interceptions. I mean, the offense is not getting it done. They have zero talent, pretty much. Defense has been getting pummeled. They gave up 36 points to the Colts. It, 36 points to the Colts this week. And they gave up... How, how many points did they give up last week? To the, they gave up 31 last week to the Niners, whose entire team was in the hospital. Uh, so, yeah, this seems like it could go down as kind of another, um, maybe like Ryan Tannehill story, where people will be like, oh, well, maybe Adam Gase is the one who... Maybe he's responsible for Ryan Tannehill not developing. Maybe he's responsible for, for Sam Darnold not developing. Maybe he goes to another team and suddenly Sam Darnold pulls a comeback year, kind of like what Ryan Tannehill did, did last year or this year. 
Um, we, do, we do have to maybe sit here and say that maybe he's just not fit to be a head coach. And when we say that, we're not saying that he's a terrible coach. I mean, the same thing can kind of be said with over New England's offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels. I mean, we can all agree that guy is maybe one of the greatest offensive coordinators of this era, if not ever. But his time as a head coach has been, you know, this shadow or cloud of just doubt and disappointment. Maybe Gase just needs a defensive-minded coach ahead of him, and he can just be offensive coordinator. Uh, I expect him to lose his job very soon. I mean, right after the—I mean, they play really soon on Thursday Night Football against the Broncos. Yay, exciting. More Thursday Night Football. You happy comment, guy? Um, and that game right there, they're going to— oh That's what I'm going to call him, his comment guy. The guy that got mad about my thing saying Thursday Night Football are, are not— exciting games all the time but he's going to be playing against the broncos who are battered and beaten and injured and playing you know driscoll at quarterback and maybe bortles and you know they just can't get anything going on that team if they go 0-4 right there i mean the front office is going to have 10 long days to sit there and think about adam gase's future yeah and i think i think the only reason he's hasn't been fired yet is because Dan Quinn still exists and he's kind of taken the spotlight off of him off of a gaze. Uh, I would expect Gase to be gone sometime within the next couple of weeks. And that is going to do it for us here today on Monday movers. Uh, we have been talking about, you know, Steven Goskowski, the field goal kicker for the Titans, the whole Chicago bears team, as well as Alvin Kamara's comeback season while he's healthy. And all the negatives in Adam Gase and Bill O'Brien, the Philadelphia Eagles, who apparently, you know, none of these three even want to win. They're, they're just, they're already ready for 2021. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, be sure to, again, click that subscribe button down below. Leave a like. It lets us know that you're enjoying our content. And comment down below who you guys have moving up and moving down based on week three. If you guys would like to check us out on audio only, Make sure to tell all your friends that we are on Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere you can hear something, we are there. And for social media, you can also check us out at... We're on Facebook, where we're updating every episode that comes out. Uh, Instagram, where we have like news flashes, discussion points, uh, kind of stuff like that, updating our story. And then Twitter, we try to keep putting out polls, interacting with everyone, and then... Feel free to send us a uh, DM wherever you want, whenever you want, whatever time of day. Thanks for listening, guys. Y'all have a good night.